Ring Grinders. Welcome to the DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, a.k.a. Blender Ed, Blender HD. If you want to follow me there on Twitter, and it's Monday, so you know what we do on Mondays. We bring in James McCool for Mondays with McCool. James McCool, the co-author with me of the Theory of Daily Fantasy Sports. It's a 15-hour audio DFS masterclass that you can pick up at theoryofdfs.com. And uh, as always, in the YouTube chat, I see you guys there. Give me those thumbs ups on your way in the door. Matt Mears, Hog Lawrence, David Kalnis, Doug Montgomery, Turk 570, card fan. David Kalnis, it says the Wonder GPP with Jalen Guyton, Cole Beasley, and Brandon Cooks yesterday. What a time to be alive. Well, I'm glad you won because I didn't, right? Uh, I didn't win in GPPs. I, I did great, great in cash. I, I, I made money yesterday. I upped my, my cash volume a bit on DraftKings yesterday, James. Uh, when I saw that uh, a lot of people were going to play Jamison Crowder. Did, I thought that was a sensible move. When I, when I saw that, that Jamison Crowder was going to be popular, uh, I added some triple-ups. Uh, I played more head-to-heads. I won 95% of my head-to-heads. Yeah. 95 points, something, whatever, of my head-to-heads. Uh, and th- this is how I determine like, whether or not I'm going to play cash. I like playing cash on weeks that are either prove it weeks like weeks where like the lineup like is essentially so obvious like maybe maybe that maybe there are only two lineups it's like either you did this or you did that and that's it and anyone that did anything differently than that is suboptimal or on on slates where uh i i believe my cash lineup has a significant edge over what a pop, what popular lineups are going to be. doesn't mean I'm playing like an extremely contrarian lineup, just that, that a certain construction, like people are going to do this a lot more than they should, but they really should be doing that. And I'm going to be doing that. So like, so that, that's what I did yesterday. I did essentially when I saw that uh, Jameson Crowder did have a, a decent projection median wise. And I saw around the industry that, uh, that he was fitting into cash lineups in order to get Eckler in there. Mm-hmm. And I thought with the, the running backs that we had, so like like my cash lineup, just to go over this for, for a second before we get to you. I know you didn't even say anything, James. Hi, how you doing? Hello. Right. Uh, so my cash lineup was Hill, Jacobs, Gibson, Godwin, Renfro, Williams, O'Shaughnessy, Fournette, and the Browns. Yeah. 157 points. Uh, all I did was like, I mean, I... The way that I play cash games typically is that the, given the difference of a small of less than one point of projection, I, I'd like to add more certainty to my lineup. So I'm going to be I'm going to side always with what I'm more certain with in cash games and GPPs. I want to take the on. I want to embrace the variance. So like in my aggregate, for instance, James, look, I'm going to press optimize and look at the lineup that comes up in my aggregate. Uh, uh projections Crowder, Godwin, Hooper, Eckler, Browns like this this was the most popular lineup in cash that makes sense yeah right so it's a 150.69 it get it gets you three good running back I mean I think Jacobs and Gibson were I wasn't I was not not going to play them Mike Williams was going to be stuck in there Taysom Hill was going to be stuck in there like there's there's no way I'm not playing like, like these guys everything else is up to interpretation 
I think right. Godwin I is. I think Godwin was like the cash play yesterday too. But you're sure. true. But I mean, you didn't. If you didn't need a seven K receiver, maybe you were going down. Mm-hmm. Right. I could. I could see a build maybe possibly not with Godwin. Sure. Uh, okay. So now that I lock these guys in, okay, I'm not playing Crowder. Essentially, I'm building a lineup that does not have Jamison Crowder getting the ball from Zach Wilson. Right. Okay. Right. I try to avoid, like, got. I try to avoid in cash especially receivers from bad teams. Yeah. The, the wide receiver position in cash games is the, has the highest opportunity cost because it, the range of outcomes of wide receivers is wide enough that if you bomb at wide receiver, you're essentially cratering your entire cash line. You, yeah. you really do not want to take a snowflake in wide receiver if you could avoid it. Yeah. So I don't like playing guys like Crowder. I don't like playing guys like Brandon Cooks. Mm-hmm. who tends to project well in cash games or Amon Ross St. Brown or whatever Lions receiver du jour or yeah. like, like a, a the, like a, a Curtis Samuel when he projects well, like, like those types of guys. I don't, I don't want to take Jalen Guyton. I'll, of course he's out place for a better team, but who knows with that situation, I would have actually been more up to play Jalen Guyton than to play uh, James and Crowder. Cause Guyton was 1300 cheaper. I would agree. Right. So I do this. So I like this is, has this is simply my my process. I'm showing it to you. So it's like there are non-questionable guys in here. So I'm like, I'm going to be playing these four guys. OK, so I take out Crowder. So I just X them out and then I run it again. Right. I run it again. I get Renfro. There's nothing more certain in, in, in my life, with especially with Waller out, than Renfro getting targets. I guess, man. Right. So I look at this lineup and I go, OK. I get Elliot with no Pollard in. He's still beat up. Yeah. Uh, and then I get Brand, the, the Detroit tight end. And I go, do I really want, I mean, I know tight end is, but there's a lot of cheaper tight ends. There was O'Shaughnessy, there's Cook, there's Hooper. Like, tight end was stacked this week. What? Tight end was stacked this week. We had, we had a lot of options in every single price range that you could play tight end. Right, that were viable. That right. I shouldn't be anchored to one. So like, with with Hawkinson out, who knows what the role of like? It's the number one. It's the crappiest offense on the entire slate. Yeah, and it's a punt tight end that who knows what the hell's going to happen. So it's like, can I avoid playing right? So I take out right. I x him out, and then I run it again. Okay, so now I get Beasley, Renfro, <laughs> Williams, Cooper, Eckler, Seahawks. I get something like this, and I go, do I really want to play Beasley? The, right. the question, the better question here is, do you want to play two Cole Beasleys with both Beasley and Renfro? Right. Right. But, but the main thing to me is that I look, I, I see Eckler here and I go at 8,300. Like, I don't mind Zeke and I don't mind Fournette. And they're cheaper than Eckler and I could upgrade something here possibly. So like, is Eckler a necessity? Is Hooper a necessity? I knew Hooper was going to be popular at tight end, but what makes him any different than some of the other tight ends? So I'm like, do I really need Eckler? Cause I don't mind this lineup, but I really would rather not have Beasley in here. Yeah. Right. I mean, I don't mind Beasley, but I mean, I'd rather have God, I'd rather get Godwin. Look, I have no Tampa Bay players and, t- and that game is going to have like the most amount of plays. So it's like, I kind of want to have a Tampa Bay player at least. So like, do I need Eckler? So I'm going to take out Eckler, run it again. And then I get Metcalf, Jared Cook. I get Elliot in here and I go, I still don't, I still don't have a Tampa Bay player. Right. So I look through and go, I'm not playing Metcalf in, in, 
in uh, in cash games. So I take him out. And here you go. And here's here's the the lineup right before the lineup that I played. This is the lineup that I I was going to play. Hill, everyone with Renfro, Williams, Godwin, O'Shaughnessy, Browns defense. But I have Ezekiel Elliott here, and I have 100 salary remaining. So I'm like, do I play Elliott at 7,300? Even though in my aggregate, he projects 0.8 higher than Leonard Fournette. Mm -hmm. But Leonard Fournette, I'm certain about. Elliott Elliott could have 90% of the work. He also could, Corey Clement could come in and, just play the Pollard role. I mean, it's it's Zeke Elliott. I, I have no idea. Uh, Fournette, like Bernard, is like not even playing anymore. No. And, and I'd rather just have more Buccaneers. So it's just like, okay, so if I'm not playing Elliott there, I just plug in Fournette and, and good to go. I have two Bucks players, which is what I wanted. I don't care about my, my tight end. So great, O'Shaughnessy. But I know what I'm getting out of O'Shaughnessy more than I'm getting, you know, out of right. I'd right. rather have Cook. I'd rather have Cooper. But uh, I don't need the Seahawks defense. I don't mind the Browns defense. So, like, if anyone's looking for, like, a cash game process outside of just – if you just ran the optimal of whatever projections you have, that you're, you're getting a competitive lineup. Like I said before, the, the lineup that I ran with my aggregate was literally the most popular lineup in, in, uh, in cash games. And it did – and I, I still think it cashed. Yeah, I still did well. I still, I mean, I, my, my lineup came up like, like 25 points higher, but like just avoiding Jamison Crowder. But I knew that, see, the thing is, is that when I clicked optimize, let me uh, include everyone back in. Like I knew, like when I see that my aggregate matches the most consensus across the industry type of cash lineup, like I know that if I wanted to play this lineup, I would be fine. Like this would be a line where I'm like, I'm, I'm comfortable with my cash volume. But being that I'm like, I don't think I, I'm like, I'm looking at this going, how do I not play Renfro at 6,100 on this slate? Like how, like, even if I just plug Renfro in and just say, give me the best lineup with Renfro. Right. I go like that and run it. Right. I pretty much get my, like, I mean, I pretty much get the lineup I had, but it's Elliot Wright Seahawks. Mm-hmm. Right. And then it's like, do I want to play right? Well, I could go from right to O'Shaughnessy and I could go Seahawks down to the Browns. It's like, okay, I like that better. And then I have Elliott and a hundred dollars remaining. I'm like, do I want to play Elliott or Fournette? And then like, bingo, there you go. I mean, just simply like I'm prioritizing Renfro over Crowder. And then, and then there you go. And once I saw that in the morning or even like late Saturday night, I'm like, I want to take advantage of all these Crowder teams. I'm not like truthfully, I'm not even scared of Crowder. Like, like, oh, well, what happens if Crowder gets 15? I, I'm still not scared. Like, I don't I don't see Crowder getting 30 points. Oh, absolutely so not. It's like, I'm not even scared of even not having him. But I know that he's gonna be like 40% owned, 50% owned in cash games. So the morning, Sunday morning, I just started, I I I added more head-to-heads, triple ups. I entered all the double ups that were remaining. By lock, you know, between like uh, noon and and one, like before lock, the latecomers, and I just like just bombarded it. And a good thing I did because uh, my GPP lineups didn't do very well. Uh, <laughs> but I ended up I ended up making uh, making uh, a little bit of money at the end of the day just by just by doing that because the line the lineup differences projection wise 
in all those iterations was one 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 and a half points between yeah. between them all. So it's like, why, why why am I playing Crowder? Yeah, I ended up playing Crowder in GPP. I don't know. He he ended up in a couple of my lineups because he just fit. Uh, but yeah, so that that just wanted to highlight the 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 cash process. You're perfectly fine playing any of the lineups that I showed, right? Like any like any of them would have been fine, and I think any of them would have cashed in doubles, pretty much, right? Other than the Metcalf one, probably that that wasn't necessarily the greatest of lineups. Wasn't great, right? But I mean, all the all the combinations, everyone got there enough. <clears throat> that you should have still done well in in most double ups, and still would have won more than half of your head to heads. Maybe you maybe you broke even on the day or something. Uh, but in G, yeah, but but in GPP, I could I could already tell that you also had a bad day in GPP because when I looked up the power sweep, I couldn't even find you. All right, the yeah. results DB, you're not even there. And if you look up me, you're not even. I'm not even there. Yeah. Uh, the highlight, the, the 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 overall way to sum up my my GPP uh, this this week was uh, I was hoodwinked. Uh, so, so what what did you what did you do in GPP? I'll I'll explain why I was hoodwinked. But what 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 were your thoughts and what what, what did you do in uh, GPP? I, I want to lead off with this saying: as I only had one player who had a fire. I had one player who was on fire, and that was Josh Allen out of three lineups. So I played a Buffalo stack. I played a Kansas City stack. And I played a Cowboy stack. Now, if you didn't even look at the actual results of the slate, you probably think that I did okay. Well, you look at the, if you looked at the scores of those teams, yeah, yeah. you would think that you did well, but didn't realize that, that the Cowboys mostly got there on defensive, on a, like defensive plays. Uh, the Chiefs got it. Now, if you told me that you had Mahomes with three of his running backs, then, then and you stacked him with that, like that, that would have been fine. And the defense, right? If you played the good old defensive double running back stack for the quadruple Chiefs, dip, right? Quadruple dip. Or uh, uh, if you just played naked Josh Allen, because and maybe Gabe Davis, you, you paired him with just Gabe Davis and maybe Dawson Knox. Yeah, Dave Davis, Dawson, not right, but not Diggs because Diggs got points, but like no one got no one, no one of his, none of his receivers really got there, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? And the mm-hmm. Cowboys, like they didn't. I mean, Cooper was fine. Yes, but and the Michael team, but if you looked at the, if you just looked at the score, you would think that you you, you took it down, right? If, you told, also, if I told you that Chiefs put up forty eight points, you'd be like, well, how do I not win? I also will again back up. So not only if you looked at the scores just like ad hoc and had no idea about like who scored the touchdowns. And I told you that I stacked those teams and I only used one-offs and second correlations from those games. All right. That would have been like, you think that I'm, I'm rolling and dope. Right. Tyreek Hill, 40 burger. Where is oh it? yeah. No, you think Tyreek Hill, you think uh, Travis Kelsey, you know, Foster Moreau still underpriced. Like you think that he probably would have had some targets in this game. No, absolutely not. Um, I got trashed. The best score that I had was 110 and 42 of those points came from Josh Allen. So I played good teams and they scored a lot of points, but like none of my guys did anything. So life is hard, man. Uh, I do think I, I just wanted to piggyback on the cash game conversation. I do think that it was uh, 
all you had to do this week was prioritize Hunter Renfro over Jameson Crowder. That's it. That's all you had to do. Um, I liked Leonard Fournette as well, but I think that there were like, there were like four plays that were just obvious, right? Kaysom Hill, Antonio Gibson, Mike Williams, and uh, Josh Jacobs, John, uh, Chris Godwin, I think over Josh Jacobs, I think he could have gotten away from Josh Jacobs because I, I personally think Josh Jeff Wilson Jr. was a really good play um, in cash games at the very least. And FanDuel, maybe it's a roster that you didn't want to take up the roster spot. I, I don't know. I think uh, with 19 carries in his last game and on the best, yeah, no Debo, happened, no Debo. You have to factor in oh, Debo. Sure. Anyway, uh, I, I think there are like four plays that were very obvious. And then you did have to make that kind of decision of Hunter Renfro or Jameson Crowder. And that kind of decided where you could go with your flex spot. Um, tight end was just kind of, there, there were like 10 tight ends you could use. But I do think that this week the decision was Hunter Renfro versus Jameson Crowder. Um, in GPPs, though, I, I this this is just another week where, like last week, I just knew like after the slate, it's like I wouldn't have done this differently. I liked the stacks that I had. I liked the games that I attacked. I liked the way that I put together the lineups and the way that I was gaining leverage within the lineups. Um, like my Buffalo stack was Josh Allen, Cole Beasley, and Emmanuel Sanders. I faded Diggs in that one so that I could have Tyreek Hill and Mike Evans. Like I thought the way that I built things was good. And then at the end of the slate, it's like, all right, well, Hunter Renfro had 150 yards and a touchdown and uh, like every running back that I use is terrible. So it is what it is. I, this week, do you think this week came down to running backs? Cause that's what it feels like to me. Well, no, and I, I did the opposite. The two, the two things the, that I did, I don't think I did anything wrong. It's just that my, my overall strategy was that if we take a look at, for instance, this is what I look at. So salary adjusted value of running backs comparable to the rest to the field yeah. was higher. So we have Gibson, Eckler, Jacobs, Elliott, Fournette that are like over two. And then like the guys that are down here, like the Melvin Gordons and the Deonta Foremans mm-hmm. who got there, right? Joe Mixon are like the difference is more like there's like a four, a three, four, five, six, seven point difference yeah. between these running backs. But at wide receiver, like the top one was Mike Williams at two and a half. Mm-hmm. So the difference between even Chris Godwin at 1.83 and uh, CeeDee Lamb was only four point. Like th- there's less difference between the wide receivers sure. than there are with the running backs. So when I see this, I know that the running, the uh, wide receiver ownership is going to end up being more condensed. Like these guys shouldn't be that more drastically owned than like, there's no reason why uh, Mike Williams and DJ Moore should be two to one in ownership. Sure. Based on, based on only two points in projection. Right. Sure. So because of that, I was inclined to play more different wide receivers mm-hmm. And then stick it to the top level of running back, which means my running back pool was essential. My running back pool was essentially Gibson, Eckler, Jacobs, Elliott, Fournette, Wilson Jr. That was it. That sounds right. Yeah. Right. Now I could have, Javante Williams, I thought was overowned for Gordon being back. Oh, that was silly. Yeah. Right. Got there on two touchdowns, but it was silly the ownership that he was getting. Right. And I thought Kamara would be overowned against the Jets, and he was. Right. If I take a look at the ownership, 25%. So, so given the choice, I'm only playing 18 lineups. So like by 150, I probably have some of these guys. 
But so I'm like, I removed Kamara. Wilson Jr., I don't even like, but he's there as salary relief because I don't have any cheap, really, really cheap running backs. Yeah. So in, in the lineups that I need a cheap, you know, running back type of thing, I it got was either. It was either you go Jeff Wilson Jr. or you take a shot on one of the Detroit running backs. I didn't want to do that. Which you look, were going to get wrong anyway because they used Craig, whatever his last Reynolds, name. Reynolds, right. He came in, right. Or or getting the Tennessee running backs right. I wasn't going to – I was yeah. just going to avoid that situation. I don't need to. Or the so Jets. Then, yeah. So I'm building lineups, and I stuck my I – mean, basically the stacks that I played were, were Buffalo, Tampa Bay, uh, the Chargers, uh, uh, I played one Kansas City stack. I played two Russell Wilsons. Uh, I think that's it. And 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 Dak. And I my number one one was Dallas. And that's where I got hoodwinked. I got hoodwinked, James. Did yeah. Uh, in the Wildcat. So like I'm I'm comparing the Wildcat to the Millie to the play action. Yeah. Uh, it was they were, they were even more owned. I I didn't even see this. They were even. Cooper and Lamb were two of the higher owned wide receivers. I had them projected. I, I thought they would be eight to 10% owned. CeeDee Lamb in the Millie was 18%. Cooper was 14%. It turns out that Zeke was the low owned one. Tragic. So Zeke was more owned in the Wildcat and less owned in the Millie and uh, play action. But I mean, still Lamb and Cooper still got good ownership in the Wildcat. They just got more in the Millie. Now, obviously, I'm not gearing my my play towards the Millie. But still, if you would have told me that CeeDee Lamb was 15 and, and Cooper was 12, was 13, I would have just played more Elliott. I had both of them at nine. Right. That's what I'm saying. Right. I, I figured they were in that range. So that's why they were coming up so much for me. And then I had Diggs as over-owned. And Diggs came in, Diggs came in 16% in the Wildcat. So, yes, that's true. He, well, I thought he was over-owned. And I, I played more Beasley and Sanders. And Sanders came in at four. And Beasley came in at 12 in the Wildcat. So a little bit higher than I thought. So I was playing more Allen plus Beasley. I was playing a lot of Allen single stacks. So like Allen plus Beasley plus Godwin. Sure. Or plus Evans or plus Fournette or whoever. Uh, because he could get there in, with his legs, so I, I, I don't think that with Josh as well. Him and Lamar right. Uh, Brady, I was double stacking, so I had Godwin Evans, Godwin Gronkowski, Evans Gronkowski. I had Brady Fournette Godwin. I had lineups like that, so like I was fine there. But the main thing is that I, 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 out of 18 lineups, I think I had like I think six, seven lamb lineups, so it's like I had like three Dak stacks, but I also had City Lamb as a one off. And like four of the lineups, I had Cooper as a one-off. And had I known that the ownership would be much higher than, than I expected, I wouldn't have had him as a one-off. I ended up not play, making sure to not play Renfro as a one-off because I thought Renfro would be 20% owned. I thought Renfro would be the second highest owned wide receiver on the slate. I thought Williams would be number one and Renfro would be number two. So that's why I'm like, okay, I'm not going to play Renfro only in my Kansas City stack. So I was like, okay, I'm getting rid of. That's why I had no. I had Renfro in cash, no Renfro in GPPs, and he's the second highest scorer on the slate. And then uh, I would have. I played. I played a whole bunch of. I played like six Metcalf lineups and two Lockett lineups. That was reversed. It would have been better. Uh, 
And had I known the ownership on the Bengals receivers was as low as they are, I would, I still had, I had them as one-offs. I, I, but I did not play Burrow. But had I known that the ownership on the Bengals uh, 49ers game was going to be that low. Yeah. I would have played more. I would have played more Burrow, Higgins, Chase, Kittle lineups, or at least with Jeff Wilson, right? I played a lot, like a lot, my, my Higgins and Chase lineups with the one-offs were mostly secondary correlations. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. But it was a secondary correlation with Jeff Wilson. So, so what, what did that do for me? Not much. You should have played the one, you should have played the running back one on San Francisco. Oh, Debo. Yeah, but he only got 12 points anyway. So it didn't even matter. Right. It's so tilting, man. It's so tilting. So tilting. Uh, No, I'm going through all this to show like, like I'm judging like just to show you, I'm not judging based on the results. I'm judging based on did I make the decisions versus the ownership that I was intending on making? Mm-hmm. And had I known this information, had I not under projected uh, the Cowboys ownership, like I wouldn't, I, I may not even, I, I may not have even played Cowboy stacks at all. I may have just played, uh, Eli- I would have played more Elliot. It's still, I mean, it still would have gotten me into trouble, right? Nine points. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have got there anywhere, but that's not the point that I'm making. Yeah. Right. Godwin, Godwin, I mean, really Godwin came in at like 17% ownership. He was, he was fairly lower. The fact that Crowder was 15% owned in GPP. Like I I could just throw those lineups out. Why? I mean, there was just no one in that range. He projected better than anyone else in that range. So he ended up as a one-off in a bunch of my lineups. And I, I, I second thought, I should have just X'd him out. Yeah. Because I'm not playing that game. Because the whole point is that I wasn't playing Kamara. And I wasn't playing Taysom Hill in GPP. So why the hell am I playing Jameson Crowder at all? Right. Let's get rid of that. I played some Barkley. Like, I had a lot of Barkley. I, Jared Cook was my, like, one-off tight end in a lot of lineups. So I played, like, Barkley-Cook. Yeah. Like, that's secondary correlation. But, like, there's no, there's, there's no way I get there. I mean, I had... I had Lockett in lineups. I had Chase and Higgins in lineups. I even had Landry as a one-off more than, than the field. But when, when, when you have Gibson and Jacobs in most of your lineups. Yeah. I mean, with me, I had Gibson and, and Jeff Wilson, most of my lineups and I'm, nothing else matters at that point. Even if you pick the best stacks, like those, those lineups just failed. And I, I also want to like, because there, there are a lot of people that are like, oh, well, I, you know, I got fooled by Antonio Gibson. You said I got fooled by Antonio Gibson projected as a $7,500 running back everywhere that you looked in the industry. I mean, it wasn't even a question like for him to only be 50% owned, I think was, was still even a little bit under up. Um, the, the, the Washington offense was just a nap. It was no, it was nothing. The Washington just collapsed. I mean, yeah. the whole team, like when the whole, I mean, you could say the same thing for the Raiders outside of mm-hmm. Renfro, like Jacobs, like, well, Jacobs only got 11. It's like, well, based on his target share and carry share, he should have been a 70. He should have been a seven. You, you're going to disagree that he shouldn't have been a, should have been a $7,500 running back. Um, I think he should have been like 7k. Okay, which is still- I, I did like Josh Jacobs. I liked him right. quite a bit. Um, I I think Antonio Gibson was just like a ridiculously good play. I had Leonard Fournette as the top overall projected running back on the slate. So I, I agree with you. You, know, you had him over Eckler? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. By one point. Wow. Yeah. Well, the so the Chargers like 
the Chargers are a hard team to project because they don't really want to run the ball. Uh, they, they, yeah, but Allen's, tar- Allen's targets have to go. Allen's a dot has to go somewhere. I, I had Austin Eckler's the third highest projected running back on the slate. Like, it's not like I had him projected badly by any means. Um, you didn't have him getting a higher target share because of slightly higher, root tree? slightly higher, but like with the way that my model works, the chargers were like what? 10 point favorites. So uh, I had to have expected that they are going to run a little bit more in the second half. Like we've seen them pull off the gas. We saw them pull off the gas last week. So as much as like Austin Eckler still projected well, him and Alvin Kamara, like these guys still projected well. Uh, Leonard Fournette in that spot with Tampa Bay, where Tampa Bay are slight favorites, but Fournette has been a legit 2020 market share guy in terms of receiving yards. And he's been a 70-70 guy in terms of rushing yards that there was nobody that was going to touch him as like the second highest team total on the slate for the way that I build out my models. So yeah, I mean, I, from a sentiment perspective, I think he has, he has one of the highest ceilings on the slate because of the game environment. I mean, that's why I, I mean, that's the reason why I sided with Fournette and cash. Yeah. yeah. It's just like, I like, dude, this guy, this guy's always, almost always on the field and they're going to be, this game is going to have like 20 more plays in it than any other game. And it went to overtime also. It, it, it had a over under five points higher than any other game on the slate. Uh, and then like, oh no, it, it had a six point higher over under because there was that one game for Pittsburgh and Minnesota that took place on Thursday that was not on the slate. So right. it had basically a touchdown over every other game that I had a Tampa Bay player and a Buffalo player in every single one of the lineups that I built. Like I, I wanted to have a lot of exposure to that game and it did. It was a good game. It was a good game, but uh, Josh Allen just did it all himself. So it, it was a, it was an interesting week. I do think that Josh Jacobs was underpriced. I thought Rashad Penny was underpriced. Um, uh, that talk about tilting with that. I mean, how, how the Seattle backfield, what are you going to do? I mean, it's weird. I agree. I mean, and, and if, if he did not do well, we'd be talking about like me having him as the weird projection of the week. Cause I had him at 13. Uh, hold on. You had him at 13. Let me take yeah. a look at this. You had him 13. Okay, I my aggregate is 8.2. So that's not yeah. not ridiculous, but I still, I mean, that in comparison to eight, that's like a what? Sure. That's, well, oh, that's like a 60% like, high, 70% higher projection. It's the same thing as the Zay Jones projection last week, where like he was projected at eight in your aggregate, but he was projected at like 12.5 in mine. And it's like, okay, that's not an obscene difference, but it's still it's so notable. what did what were you projecting for the, all the other running backs? Like what were you so, giving Alex Collins? Let's see. Let me. Because they had four running backs active: Collins, Penny, Dallas, and Homer. Yeah. So I had Alex Collins at eight, Rashad Penny at thirteen, and DJ Dallas at five. Uh, so what? So much higher. So you think that just C- Seattle was just going to essentially just run the ball fifty-eight times? I mean, like, how the hell no, do you get no, to that? No, not not fifty-eight times. Hold on. Let me get it seems my, like uh, the way high meetings for all these guys. Unless you think Seattle's going to run the ball 90% of the time. It's because I gave Rashad Penny Travis Homer's receiving work. Okay. And, you didn't and then Travis I also, so I had him, I had him at a 30% of the rushing yards, 40% of the rushing touchdowns, 10% of 12% of the receiving yards. Okay. So that's it seems what like the combination from. is too high. I'm like, 
Like Seattle runs the least amount of plays in the league and they run the ball at the, the highest rate, but I'm just like, if they were big favorites, they're big favorites. Yeah, I guess so. You're right. You know, 10, I guess so. I, I get it. That, um, that's, and that's how it happens. Like, and, and also frankly, Alex Collins has been terrible. Like my, my model doesn't just say like, here's the market share and then give like an arbitrary yard for carry. Like he's been bad. Rashard Penny has been notably better with the work that he's gotten. And there were, there were a lot of people that I saw talking about Rashad Penny as like being the guy. Um, so I, I was fine taking a little bit of a leap of faith on that, but I didn't play him. I played Jeff Wilson Jr. Who was like the same price. Right. It was for, it was 400 cheaper. Yeah. And projected better in the aggregates. But did you have Rashad Penny project higher than Wilson in your model? I don't think so. I had Jeff Wilson higher. So you had, you had, you had Penny at, 13 then what did you have wilson at because i had wilson oh, no, they, at 12 they were close. I, I had jeff wilson at 12 i had rashad penny at 13 so i should have had penny oh and because wilson is 400 cheaper he ends up in your line yeah yeah because that was the way that it fit because since i was playing such expensive stacks i needed as much salary savings as i could get right yeah, but from an ownership perspective if jeff wilson jr I mean, I mean, take a look at this ownership gap. Oh yeah, it's massive. Wilson in the in the Wildcat, or just in the Millie, was eighteen percent owned, and Penny was two. So like the difference of one point in projection shouldn't get that easy. Right. Just that obviously, I had Penny at eight, and I had four running backs in Seattle. Like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just it's like the Detroit situation. If I was going to play anyone in Detroit. It probably would have been Godwin Igwebuke because he could catch balls out of the backfield. I, I would have played Jamar Jefferson, but I had them projected the same. Uh, right, but I'm saying, like, what do you? Either you take a shot or you just avoid. And I just, I just, I'm, I'm not. Well, that's, the running, I, to me, the running back position. I, I mean, obviously, if you did it the other way, if you just played contrarian running back, and you played chalk, if you played the chalk wide receiver combination, you pretty much could have done well with just like, like I'm going to play Deonta Foreman. Rashad Penny. And like, if you just would have gotten that, you would have been fine. But I mean, I, I did projections wouldn't told you not to do it. That no, it was a weird worst week. projected lineups doing that. It was a weird week. Uh, and like, like we talked about at the beginning with these weird running back situations where Detroit just take a guess. Uh, the, the jets just take a guess, man. Um, the Titans. The Titans just take a guess. I, I don't know with the Titans. Who knows? Dude, I, I the had... 49ers take a guess. Well, with, with 49ers. De- with, Debo, with Debo there and Hasty there, who knows? I, I keep, yeah, I mean, Debo is, that's, that's an annoying part of it. But, like, last time Jeff Wilson Jr. got 19 carries. 4,400 for 19 carries. You can even look in the ownership across the lineups. Like, in the higher dollar contests, he was higher owned. He, like, he was a good play. I'm gonna stand and die on that hill. No, no, I'm, I'm not. I'm not saying that he wasn't. I'm just saying in general that he there's more there's more uncertainty in that situation yeah. with Debo back. But even what? hey, the Kansas City backfield. Uh, Claude Edwards Solera, two touchdowns, man. Daryl Henderson and Daryl Williams had a touchdown, and Gore I mean, they scored four touchdowns on the ground. I hate when that happens. That happened to me with Tampa Bay stacks a couple weeks ago with uh, with Lane Fournette. We had Fournette with the four touchdowns, and Brady sitting there with twelve points. Yeah tilting but it was a hard week i think there was a hard week in terms of lacking value i i was very tempted to use two tight end lineup with my kansas city stack i was considering doing foster moreau and travis kelsey um i ended up not needing to do it what projection you keep on talking about moreau what was your projection on moreau i don't know like nine points or something 
Oh, okay. That, that wasn't great, but I thought that he was going to be way underowned. Like, right for four cat, like comparison to some of these other tight ends in that range. Like, like why not? Like the fact that Hooper is th- was so much higher owned than all these other tight ends. Like that didn't make any sense. I mean, right. if, if I take a look here, just the tight end position. Like Hooper, obviously in the Millie, actually it was much more spread out. Yeah, but in higher stakes, Hooper was in the Wildcat was twenty three percent owned. Yeah, he was twenty percent owned in the power sweep. He was high owned. And, and like, I get it. I understand why he was high owned. He projected fine for me. It, it wasn't like the worst projection I've ever seen. He was 3,400. I get it. But James O'Shaughnessy is right there. Evan Ingram's right there. Gerald Everett's right there. Frost Moreau. Uh, hell, Juwan Johnson. I'd Ricky like, Seals Jones. Yeah. You could have played, you, you played any of these guys. I, I mentioned it on, on my stream that tight end was just stacked. There was no, you could have played any tight end. Well, not any tight end, obviously, but you, you could have played in any price range. You could have had a tight end that projected well. Like, if you wanted to pay up, you could have played Mark Andrews, George Kittle, or Travis Kelsey. If you wanted to pay the mid-range, sure, go ahead and play Rob Gronkowski or Dawson Knox. If you wanted to play cheap, sure, play Hooper, play O'Shaughnessy, play Jarrod. Like, tight end was a non-factor for me this week. Well, no, it was a big factor. that the t- Two of the top five scorers were tight ends. Kittle and Andrews. If you play double tight end, Kittle, Andrews. Imagine, oh. imagine the people that played, played, uh, I, how about the people that played Lamar, Bateman, Andrews lineups, looking at their lineups going, oh my God, Bateman 20, whatever, and Andrews with what, and then Lamar with one point. <laughs> Just <laughs> it was in. I, I liked Baltimore last, last, or yesterday too. I ended up not playing them because I, like, I already had Josh Allen and, um, I needed to play a cheaper stack. That's why I played Dallas. Just because like, and, and, you know, kind of like looking back at it, hindsight 2020, you mentioned how they were all higher owned than what we projected. Cause both you and I we, were usually about the same on ownership projections. And uh, they came in about twice as owned as I thought they were going to come in on the wide receivers and like looking back at it. Yeah, sure. It's because they were like the team with the fourth or fifth highest team total on the slate and they were cheap. I mean, Dak was affordable. Cooper was affordable. Um, you know, Gallup was affordable. Like these guys were affordable for sure as a stack. Um, and that was a game where you would have expected it to be a little bit more competitive. Obviously it's not, but um, yeah, it, it makes sense looking back at it. That, well, everyone looked at the same thing. That's the point. That's what I said. I was hoodwinked. It's like, oh, yeah. we weren't hoodwinked. It's like, if I, if you were to judge this, and this is what I suggest for, for, for lower stakes players or play, you know, if you're not playing and, Oh, why do I have to look at the wildcat ownership or the power sweep? I'm only playing, you know, $12 single entry. I'm only playing the play action. It's like, no, you're making your decisions based on that. But like, as far as like, who was higher owned in the higher stakes typically points to the constructions that, you know, are more plus EV, right? Or higher expected value. So like across the board, if I take a look at the people that I had in my GPP lineups and I go, and I'm looking at, especially in results DB, which is free. So you can go to res- rotogrinders.com slash results DB and look this up and compare ownership to any contest you want on any slate. And I take a look and I go, okay, well, I played more Gibson and Wilson. It's like these when the when the green is higher, the green is on the Wildcat side and yellow is down here. That means more higher stakes players played these players. Yeah. And higher stakes typically have have more sharper players in them. So I go, okay, let me take a look at Jay. Like, let me took take a look at, at the running backs that I played. It's like, well, I went over on Gibson. Okay, well, that's that that checks. 
I went under on Kamara, right? Under on Williams. It's like, okay, that checks. Uh, I didn't care that much about Eckler. So it's whatever. So it's like, okay, even, okay, that checks. I went over on Wilson. I went over on Jacobs. I went over on Fournette. I went over on Barkley. I went over on Zeke. It all checks, right? All of these are green. And the ones that I didn't play are all in yellow, which checks in the wildcat. And then I go, I go to a wide receiver and I go, okay, I was met on Mike Williams. Like I was under on Mike Williams, but I get it. I thought he was efficient at where he was. So like, that's fine. I was, I was over on lamb, but I mean, I was over only because I thought it was going to be lower than this. So like, like so much of the field went there anyway. Uh, then I take a look at like, I was under on Guyton, over on Godwin. I was under, I, I didn't play Julio Jones. Uh, I, I was I very tempted, one of, but like, who am I going to play back with? Somebody on the Jags? Not, couldn't be me. Right. But I was over on Metcalf, over on Chase, over on Beasley. I had some DJ Moore. I was over on Landry, but barely, right? Over here. I had some Lockett, right? Sanders, Higgins. I had more Higgins than four percent right so i just go i had i had brandon cooks in my lineups but I, brandon cooks was across from lockett or metcalf right because it was the seattle guy i didn't play cooks as a one-off so i look at this and i i, I look at just the general lineup constructions here's the quarterbacks right i faded to hell completely so did i right josh allen i was way over on josh allen and tom brady i mean like i just take a look at these ownerships in comparison to one another and go, well, I made more of the choices that more of the sharper players made anyway. Uh, and it's likely that the Cowboys came in at, at higher ownership because that's what everyone else saw. Also. I mean, like, like that's, that's what in the power should be go. I open up my, my, my lineups and I go, why is CD lamb 18% owned? Uh Oh, oops. <laughs> I go, how did that happen? He's twice as owned as I thought he was going to be. At 7,200. And then I see T. Higgins at like 4%. And I go, I thought that would almost be reversed. Yeah. Right? I thought Higgins would be like 16 and Lamb would be 8. Right? Something like that. And I go, I should have done the opposite. Oh. But I think, but because people are looking at, they're trying to project what everyone else is trying to do. And everyone's looking going, yeah, no one's playing the Cowboys. I'm going to play the Cowboys. People are playing too much of these Bengals receivers. I'm going to fade them. And they're like, and then it goes the other way. Then it's just like, you got to go to that third level. So I got, I got hoodwinked. I don't think it would have mattered because I still would have played the same running backs and gotten killed. Yeah. I wouldn't have gotten, I I would not have done a single thing differently. The only, actually I would have done one thing differently. And I went back and forth on it a lot where I had on my Dallas stack. So my Dallas stack was Dak Prescott, Mark Cooper, Michael Gallup with Terry McLaurin. My secondary sacks, Rob Gronkowski and Emmanuel Sanders. My running backs were Jeff Wilson Jr. and Cordell Patterson with Giants defense. And, and well, McLaurin got killed you because like you got a concussion. It wouldn't have mattered anyway. That Washington was horrible. It didn't matter. matter. Right. But uh, the only thing that I was going back and forth was was that Cordell Patterson choice. And like I liked him, he was fine. He did okay. But. That's the only thing that, like, as I go through my lineups, because I always want to go through my lineups and say, all right, well, what what would I have absolutely changed had I had a second chance? And that's it. 
That's the only. I, I would have I, me. I would have X'd out Crowder for my player. Yeah, yeah, right. And also, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have. Uh, uh, I wouldn't have had no Renfro had I known that he was just he's going to be fourteen and not twenty or twenty-two percent. Right. Yeah, I, th- those are the kind of like things that you need to think through when when you're assessing lineups. Don't look at because like if if I was a results based player, if I was like a bad DFS player, and I looked at my lineups and I was like, oh hey. This one has uh, five snowflakes and a zero. Like, I'm terrible. It's like, that that doesn't matter at all. Like, look at the lineup and try to decide if you would have changed anything when building it without thinking about the results. Because when you look at the results, you, you can look at the top lineup this week. What what was the lineup that won this week, by the way? Let me see if I could find it. We, we, we had trouble. This is the... Because they load because they load stuff in, in this throughout the, the morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Usually it's loaded, but sometimes it's not. No, I can't see it. Okay. Well, anyway, if you look at the winning lineups, like you can't you can't really learn so much from the winning lineups. But if you can look at your own lineups and decide, okay, well, looking at the ownerships from all these different sharper players, they were over here, they were under here, they liked this spot, they liked this game. I was on the same things they were. Good. That's great. Maybe there's some minute details that need to change. Maybe you need to switch up the way that you were building your lineups. Maybe you should have included more high upside. Maybe you should have paid down here, blah, blah, blah. But the macro view of the slate and understanding that you were on the right spots and things just didn't work out for you. You got to remember that like we've had 14 slates of NFL. Right. It's two weeks of baseball. Two weeks of baseball. You know what happens in two weeks? There was a two-week stretch two years ago where Giancarlo Stanton hit a home run in every game. Right. There's every. also a stretch of two weeks uh, where Gila, uh, Stanton has struck out three times in every game. Exactly. Exactly. So, like, if you're judging, it, it's kind of like – it's why I tell people, like, NFL is – it's such a brutal sport to be consistently profitable in if you only play GPPs. If you play cash, I, I think that you, like, across every sport, like, you give yourself such a better floor – but uh, in GBPs, if you're assessing how good you are at NFL based off how you do in one season, that's the wrong way to do it. You can't, you can't do that. It takes I understand a one, one full season of MLB, which you have, which in MLB, you have no problem saying I'm stacking this team, that team. Uh Oh, they were shut out. And you just move go. on to the next and just move on to the next slate. Cause it's the next day. So in MLB in a given season, you get what you get April, May, June, July, August, September. You get like six full months. There's 30 days calendar month. You not including night slates or anything. You're probably going to be playing 180 slates if you played every day. Yeah. Right. And even even if you suck at bankroll management, you still probably played 90. Right. So let's say 180. So if you played 180 slates in MLB, that's one full MLB season. A full NFL season. Is like 20 slates. If you count like Thanksgiving, the first oh. playoff slate, so 20. So one MLB season nine is like nine years. NFL seasons. And you could go an entire MLB season in GPP and be negative on, on the season as a good player. This, this, this past MLB season in GPP, I lost money. Yep. And this is me coming, and uh, it's primarily because I had like 18 top 20 finishes and like one second and a lot of steak knives. There was that three week stretch where you have like three fourth places and a second place. And it's just right. Like- and just steak <laughs> knives, steak knives, steak because the payout structures are so ridiculous. Yeah. So I was, so over 180 slates, 
I'm down. And then we'll, so that's, that's nine years of NFL. I mean, like, and that's, you could be a good player mm-hmm. and, and go nine, nine years in NFL and, and have a negative ROI. Like that's how small one season in NFL is. Now, obviously, if you're playing cash games, if if you if you play an entire if you play twenty slates, and uh, and and you just play double ups, right? So you're just counting like wins and losses. So obviously, head to head, you could still win some. If you're playing uh, cash games and you play twenty slates and you're three and seventeen, re- re- you could kind of reassess that you, you're doing something wrong. Yeah. Right. Like cash games are much more binary. GPPs, you're aiming for the top. So like it's it, you're gonna lose 95% of the time anyway. So like right. when do you realize your expected value? Who knows? Hopefully it's before I go broke, right? Like that, <laughs> that, that's that's what it is. But in cash games, like in cash games, if over 20 slates, you're eight and 12, that doesn't mean you're bad, right? right. And, and you know, your good player is 12 and eight, right? That's like if you go 12 out of 20 weeks. You're profiting. If you go 13 out of 20 weeks, that's great. That's what 65%. You're that's elite. And the difference between a 13 and seven person and a seven and 13 person might be an aggregate of 25 points. Right. That's it. <laughs> yeah. 20 to like 25 points might separate you between being profitable and not profitable for an NFL season. It's wild. People don't understand it. People don't think about it. And and I put a lot of blame on like screenshot culture and stuff like that for for our industry where people are like, oh, yeah, look at these cool screenshots. Like we have screenshots every week. And it's like, yeah, you do. And and you're casting a wide net. So like you'll probably catch a couple of them. But uh, well, yeah, well, I I mean, look, I mean, if you go into, you know, my Blender's Game Theory channel, which if you're a premium member, you could be a part of is where I hang out, answer questions just like this, just like this show. Mm -hmm. Like one guy is like, just want to tell you, thank you. This is the most I ever understood DFS. I finished fourth in that 4 p.m. single entry behind me where I just played my cash lineup in the afternoon. Oh, yeah. Very well. Uh, went on to win a small field tournament in NHL last night. Gracefully appreciate the masterclass and all the hours of YouTube. Like I could point this out and go, look, someone won. Right. I didn't. But like if you have like we have like how many people we got on over 100 people in this channel. I guarantee you someone won a lot of money, right? <laughs> I mean, there's so many, like when, it, when we say that there's like play wherever you want, it's like I went with constructions that had running backs, chalkier running backs and more contrarian wide receivers, mm-hmm. but you could have made similar EV lineups by doing the complete op. Like there's, there's thousands, tens of thousands of lineups that are similar expected value. Just a matter of finding them and then choosing what I had to choose 18 of them, Right. Someone else is choosing 150 of them, right? So it's like you're looking at two lineups. There are 66. I choose this one. You choose that one. I put up 88 points. You win the Millie Maker. That's, I mean, like that's the that's the disparity between what these the results could be between two lineups that have a similar expected value on just one given slate. I have I have a really cool theory for you here, Benner. So I've been thinking about the DFS industry and individual companies as separate DFS players and their subscribers as separate lineups within their portfolio. Right. And I've been thinking about it a little bit deeper and the companies that have a bunch of different employees uh, that have different takes on the slate and say, these are the different guys. So now you're spreading out your player pool amongst your lineups that are your subscribers. 
So the more people that you have diversifying our portfolio across your portfolio of lineups of subscribers, the better of a chance that you have of one of those subscribers doing well. Right. They need, they get the screenshot. Yeah. Right. You, so have, you have a great shot at getting a screenshot, right? That's how which I is, think about it. Well, yeah, but the, which is the main reason on Twitter that I really, a lot of, I mean, I, I got two people thanking me yesterday. I didn't, I didn't retweet it or anything yeah. like that. I mean, but, but it's, it's not me. I didn't do anything. I mean, I, I just don't like giving out the, out the impression that's like, oh, if you just listen to me, it's like, no, if you listen to me, you will get better as a DFS player. Yeah. On what slate that you win or whatever, I have no, I have no clue. Yeah. Right. You'll just start to build better lineups. And over time, you'll end up binking some at some point. Yep. If you do these things, if you if you get the the theory of DFS masterclass, which you can pick up at theoryofdfs.com. Just stick to the concepts, play well, play for the contest that you're in, and just build good lineups. And understand that my that my 150 lineups, if I build 150 could have a similar expected value to your 150 and look completely different, right? And still look completely different. And I still have 2v2s and 4v4s and everything. In it. And it's just a matter of, it's now a race on who realizes the expected value on this slate and then the next slate and then the slate after that. So that, I mean, that's what we talk about in the, in the Discord channel. So uh, feel free to uh, join. Uh, next uh, group coaching call is tomorrow night. So if you want to join Roto-Grinders Premium, click on the link in the description, get $10 off your first month of Roto-Grinders Premium. Single sport combo, it doesn't matter. As long as you're, as long as you have any package for Roto-Grinders, uh, you get into this channel in our Discord where you could ask, you know, just same, same as we see, uh, you know, here on the pregame show. Ask whatever you want. There are discussions. People, people post their Excel spreadsheets on certain functions. Like there, the John Martin was talking about the Google Chrome extension table capture to capture all of your lineups in a table and putting it into a workbook in Excel. So I know, I know, James, you know everything about Excel. Yeah. Right. So we talk about that in there. And we'll be having our a group coaching call over Zoom, non recorded, not posted, where you can jump on and basically get private, private coaching. Of course, let, you're in front of a group. It's like, you know, it's like AA, right? Hey, <laughs> right. Uh, my name is John and I, and I play whoever I want. And then you say, well, you know, what, what your issues are and anything you need clarified. And then everyone's there and whatever. If it's, it's not like everyone talking at once. It's one at a time. So, so join that. The next one is tomorrow night at 8 PM. And, uh, and James, people could get your Rashad Petty projections at, DFS.com. That was the weird one this week. We didn't talk about like what the weird one was, but that was has the, to be the weird one. Yeah, that was the weird one. Um, but yeah, PaterDFS.com. You can find me on Pater underscore DFS on Twitter if you don't already follow me. Um, I've been streaming more over on the Twitch channel. So Twitch TV uh, slash Multicam underscore PD. I think that's right. If I'm if I'm wrong, then I'll tweet it out later. But uh, I've been trying to stream more. So uh, if you like hearing my voice, I have a wonderful voice. I know that Blender agrees with me. Um, if you like that, then you can catch me over on the Twitch channel. I'm going to be streaming today, going over the slate as well uh, later on. So, yeah. People hate my voice. I don't know why. I don't know. I mean, do I? People say I have an annoying voice. Well, at least the people that want to post comments on YouTube. Or right. Yeah. Well, it's always the cynics. I think you have a fine voice. I think that people... Uh, 
people don't understand the difference between an annoying voice and somebody who talks a lot. Because you talk a lot, but you don't have an annoying voice. But maybe I'm, I, 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 I talk a lot and I'm annoying. Well, that would be tragic. I wouldn't do the show if you talked a lot and you had an annoying voice. I don't, I don't know what my voice sounds like. My voice sounds like my voice. Right, yeah. I've always thought that was a weird thing. I mean, I understand like there are people that uh, they have their preferences or whatever, but it's like, how are you going to be annoyed about somebody's voice? I think I have a unique voice, though. That's fair. I do think that you have a unique voice. Yeah, I, I can you, say you, that. You well. kind of sound like a lot of people. Like, it's like yeah. if, I, if I heard you on, on a podcast, I'd be like, it's just some guy. And then yeah, me, it's like, I think, I think uh, uh, there, there are a couple of people in the DFS industry where like you hear their voice, you know exactly who they are. Well, and some of them are just based off of hearing it so much. Like, you know, Adam Levitan's voice when you hear it, just because like he's been on, on every podcast and he's had a podcast for like, I don't know, since he was born. Uh, so, you know, his voice, like, you know, your voice because you have a lot of media and you have a, a unique voice. Um, you know, Loffy's, but no, to me, Loffy is the most. I, as, is he the most unique? He most is absolutely the most. Only because if you, if you heard him for the first time, you think he's a 63 year old man. <laughs> Right. With that, that, that has, you know, that's been smoking for 40 years. And unfortunately he's not. And right. Yeah. Look at me. Right. People look at me and go, yeah, I, I, people, people still don't know what my age is. People like, I look like the type of person that I could be 34. I could be 67 and you wouldn't know. You are Benjamin Button. Am I? I that people get shocked in both, both regards. I say I'm 42. They go, Oh, you look, you look young for 42. And then I say I'm 42. And some people are like, oh, I thought you were, I thought you were 20 years old. Like, really? I, I look 60? You really think there, I look There 60? are times when you have looked 60. I will admit that. There's a time, there are plenty of times I felt 60. <laughs> I feel 60 most days. So right. I'm 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 a I I'm a 42-year-old that feels mentally like I, I do when I was 24, yeah. but physically like I'm 74. Just avoid walking and you're fine. I'm avoid getting out of bed. <laughs> <laughs> Okie doke. So, uh, so on your way out the door, hit that thumbs up button, thummy thumbs, hit the subscribe button. If you're new here, hit the notification bell to know when we go live. We got grinders live later today. Got the uh, crunch time for premium members. I'll be back on Thursday. Remember I'm, I'm, I'm not playing NBA DFS until NFL is over. So no show uh, Tuesday and Wednesday, but I will be back Thursday. To answer your DFS strategy questions, as always, on the DFS pregame show on rotogrinders.com.